Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, Prader-Willi syndrome is a genetic disorder that occurs in approximately one out of 15,000 births. It affects men and women in equal frequency and affects all races and ethnicities. And it's recognised as one of the most common genetic causes of life-threatening childhood obesity. To discuss this disorder and possible therapies, I'm now joined by Dr. Tony Holland, who's Professor Emeritus at the University of Cambridge in the United Kingdom. And he's also president of the International Prader-Willi Syndrome Organisation. Welcome to the programme, Tony. Maybe we might start off with the obvious. Um, what is Prader-Willi syndrome and how does it affect uh, people who live with it? Right. Well, Prader-Willi syndrome, as you mentioned, is a genetic disorder which should be suspected at birth because the baby born with Prader-Willi syndrome is extremely floppy at birth and to the extent that they usually can't feed or suckle and often need special help uh, to feed. Right. And then what you see over time as the child gets a bit older is some of the main features of Prader-Willi uh, syndrome emerge. So the child will be a little delayed in his or her development. But perhaps the feature that is most striking that you alluded to in terms of the risk of obesity is that they move from this phase of under-eating and not being able to eat and needing help to eat to developing an almost insatiable appetite. And they have excessive eating, what's often referred to as hyperphagia, and if you don't manage the food environment, the, the child, usually in their sort of three, four, five years of age when this happens, will move from being underweight and being very overweight. Nowadays, with an early diagnosis, that can be prevented by the parents knowing to control uh, food intake. And then later you see evidence of other problems. So usually they don't grow. They need growth hormone to help them grow normally. Sexual development is delayed. And they have other uh, behavioral problems. And as a psychiatrist, this is my main area of interest. They often have significant uh, temper outbursts, quite severe skin picking. And some, a group of them may be at risk for more serious mental illness in later life. So there are both those physical features, largely relating to hormonal abnormalities. There's the overeating and then there is these other other behaviours. So um, there's about 100 people diagnosed with uh, Prader-Willi syndrome in Ireland. And as you say, that's usually diagnosed by at first suspicion with the baby being born floppy and then uh, specific genetic tests. But is it a, a, a hereditary disease in the same way as something like cystic fibrosis or, or is it slightly different? It's, it's different from that. It, it isn't hereditary, or the vast majority of cases are not. So the genetics are quite complex, but they, they are there for the first time in the infant. Um, and there are different two main genetic forms. Um, there is a, a much, much rarer form in which there can be inheritance. But by and large, it's often referred to as a de novo, in other words, a new genetic abnormality that is only present in the infant and not in the parents and therefore can't be passed to other children. So, so this genetic error actually happens at conception or, or, or roundabout rather than being passed on from the genes of the parent? That's right. So in, in one particular form, what's called the deletion form, where a little bit of one of the chromosomes, chromosome 15, is missing, that's in the sperm that comes from the father. There is a, another form in which both copies of chromosome 15, and we all have two copies of every chromosome, all 23 pairs of chromosome, both copies happen to come from the mother and the one from the father is lost. So 
th those phenomena, which seem so different, actually have the same genetic effect in terms of how the child develops and gives them the common features of Prader-Willi syndrome. Does that make it, from a genetic point of view, a very difficult thing to treat with the sort of new therapies that we're seeing for other inherited diseases where it's a, a parent-to-child transfer? It does, really. I mean, firstly, it, it would be very difficult. You know, you could detect it prenatally, but you would, you know, you would have to be suspicious that it might be Prader-Willi syndrome if you, in order to, to do that. But in terms of treatment, it's unlikely that, you know, genetic modification, that sort of thing is going to be effective. The, the problem is that, of course, the genetic defect is present, as you mentioned, from conception. And therefore, already you've got abnormalities developing before you'd even recognize that this mm. uh, infant has Prader-Willi syndrome. So uh, at the moment, we are just treating symptoms. And one of those symptoms, as you mentioned, is hyperphagia or, or this compulsion to eat. Uh, why is that manifesting itself in, in people living with Prader-Willi syndrome? And, and how serious is this compulsion? Do, do they constantly live with a, a constant feeling of hunger? I, I mean, I think I think one of the areas of it that we've advanced in terms of knowledge is in this hyperphagia. Although, right. as we might come to in a moment, there aren't specific treatments at present. But I think we do know for certain that the problem of overeating is because the the mechanisms in the brain that control our eating behaviour. So, you know, when you eat, you feel hungry at the beginning, but by the time you finish, your hunger's gone away and you have a sense of fullness. Yeah. Now, we believe that doesn't happen in people with Prader-Willi syndrome, so that there is an ongoing desire to eat. So if food is available, they will eat it. And, of course, what you say to parents is that you need to manage that. You need, And so some parents, if it's really bad, will lock the kitchen, lock the fridge, and have complete control of the food environment. Well, I mean, that obviously solves the intake of calories, but it doesn't relieve any of the suffering of the, the child. What about um, hormone mod modulation? Uh, I know that ghrelin is a, a hormone that um, has to do with satiety. Is that yeah. something that has been explored in terms of helping people who live with the willi syndrome to not feel hungry all the time? Yes, I mean, there was a period just a few years ago when people got very excited because mm. they found this hormone ghrelin in the blood was uh, high in people with Prader-Willi syndrome. Um, and ghrelin uh, drives eating behavior. It's produced from the stomach and, and drives your desire to eat. Uh, but in fact, people have shown that even when you reduce ghrelin levels by various means, the person still goes on and overeats. Nice. And there have been trials of medications that are based around trying to modify ghrelin in various ways or block it. And they have, by and large, have not been effective. So it was a, a false dawn in a way, although it was exciting at the time, but, but disappointing for people with Prader-Willi syndrome and their families. I hadn't realized that ghrelin levels were were high, but I suppose that, that makes sense given the symptoms that we're talking about. So yes. can you tell me a little bit about the sort of research that you're doing and how how much progress you've been making? Right. I mean, we've been both interested in the overeating, but also in the temper outbursts. And that, uh, perhaps if I just focus on that a little bit, because for some families, that's almost a greater problem than the overeating. For some families, they can manage the overeating by managing the environment and prevent obesity. And just to say that 
often by managing the food environment, you actually improve other behaviors. Although you don't solve the problem of desire to eat, you do make the person with Prader-Willi syndrome feel more comfortable when the food environment is controlled. Yeah. But the temper outburst or the emotional outburst is another major problem. And we've been very interested in the cause of that and have done a study using something called vagus nerve stimulation, which quite serendipitously we observed seemed to improve the temper outbursts. So um, explain to me what you're doing there. Why would you stimulate the the vagus nerve, that long uh, nerve that travels down? uh, Is it down our spine from our head to our groin? Well, it travels both branches either side travel through the neck. And as you mentioned, it's a very long nerve. It really is one of the major links between the brain and many of the organs of the body, including the gut. And it's very important in part of this feedback mechanism whereby the gut tells the brain that the person's eaten, if you like, and therefore satiation takes place. And our original work was to use vagus nerve stimulation, which is normally used and been used for many years to treat severe epilepsy. Uh, and depression for that matter. Um, We thought, well, if we stimulated the vagus nerve, maybe that would reduce the desire to eat. And at the time, it required having a a stimulator implanted under surgery, a bit like a pacemaker. It's about the size of a pacemaker. And uh, unfortunately, and three people with Prader-Willi syndrome wonderfully agreed to have this done, and we got the ethics approval and everything else. Unfortunately, it didn't help their eating. But two of them came to us a few weeks into the trial and said, you know, it's made an enormous difference to our behavior. And their parents said, you know, they're not having outbursts any longer. And we can ask them to do things that if we'd asked them in the past, they would have had a big outburst. You know, anything about food, if we'd said to them, can you wait before we have lunch, they would have had an outburst. Now they would say, okay. Wow. And this is dramatic. And we've gone on to do a further study, this time focusing on the behavior and using a different type of stimulator, which uh, is an externally worn one, which you wear for four hours a day, and, and an electrode in the ear that stimulates a branch of the vagus nerve that runs from the ear. Um, and we found the same effects there out of the five people that completed the study. Four of them reported remarkable changes in behavior. So for me, the importance and the excitement of that is not only is there a potential treatment, and we need to do more research to confirm that, but it's telling you something about underlying mechanisms. It's telling yeah. you that these outbursts are something to do with what the vagus nerve is all about in terms of modifying how people respond to their environment, what you might call threat in the environment. By threat, one means my, minor interruptions or irritations or changes in routine or whatever. And that people with Prader-Willi syndrome are very poor at that, and vagus nerve stimulation is correcting it. When you say um, people with Prader-Willi syndrome are very poor at that, that continues through adulthood, does it? Does it? it does for right. most of them. It, it does continue. I mean, in many ways, the outbursts are rather similar to what you see in typically developing children, often referred to as the terrible twos. Right. But of course, later in life, it becomes so much more difficult to handle because the person, you know, is maybe quite big more adult height and can can be you know much more threatening in in that way uh, but yes it then tends to continue throughout life god that's fascinating so th- this nerve as you say that connects uh, many organs uh, across the body and, and the and the spine and brain by stimulating this you 
reduce these um, these outbursts and uh, people, I suppose, have a greater control over their behaviour as a result. I mean, uh, have you any idea what the mechanism might be for that? Because it sounds very much like that should be a, a psychological or a psychiatric, psychiatric sort of um, thing that should be that should result in that rather than a physical um, stimulation of, of a body part. I mean, I, I mean that's an interesting point you make, and and if, but in the end, I think I would argue that all things psychiatric will ultimately have a basis in biology as well. Yeah, and I think really, I think there are two possible explanations. One is that it's it's actually making the person's ability to manage change and and this threat, if you like, more robust in the way that you know you and I can manage most things in life there may be something that's so bad it pushes us over the edge but someone with Prada I think my wife would disagree with you but carry on <laughs> well yes quite well mine might too but anyhow but, uh, but it, it, the threshold for people with Prada Willi syndrome is really quite low what it might be doing is raising that threshold the other thing it might be doing is that there's some interesting work that suggests that for people with Prada Willi syndrome to change task so if they have to, because of some change in the environment, switch to a different task, that is a very demanding thing for them. Cognitively, it's very demanding. Hmm. What Vegas nerve stimulation might be doing is, is actually improving that cognitive switch so they're better able to do it. It needs a lot more research to really understand that. But, it, but the limited evidence we have is, is very exciting and very encouraging. And do you think that if, if this sort of treatment began early it, it could be something that would not be required It'd be something that would almost like exercising a muscle um out of atrophy right. do, do you think it's possible that it, it could be something that could be a, a temporary treatment rather than something that would need to be performed every day to to keep that outburst at bay right at the moment our thinking is it has to continue in much the same way as if you're on treatment i don't know for right. high blood pressure you continue the treatment but I think there is an open question as to if it is shown to be effective in, say, adults. If you started it early in childhood, when the brain is developing and things are much more flexible, if you like, maybe you could bring about a more permanent change. That's for me, a, would be an exciting, but at the moment, very open question. Well, fascinating speaking with you. That's uh, Dr. Tony Holland, Professor Emeritus at the University of Cambridge and President of the International prader Willie Syndrome Organisation. He was speaking in uh, Limerick in July. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Tony. It's a pleasure. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.